0: Hello, Mississippi and abroad, this is Parrish Alford with the Northeast Mississippi Daily Journal. Welcome to another edition of Justify Your Existence, where we bring you the relevant college football talk in Mississippi and the SEC. We'd like to thank our partners at the Oxford Park Commission, and we welcome aboard a new partner with Hair Wealth Management in Tupelo. Contact Robin Hare at Hairwealthmanagement.com and he'll do a great job with all your financial needs. And lots of good things going on there at OPC, offerings for youth and adults alike. They're gearing up for fall flag football. Registration is ongoing for ready golf and instructional time for youth ages 8 to 13. There's boxing, fencing, hiking, and so much more. Visit them at OxfordParkCommission.com. I'm joined by Stefan Kreisnik, our Mississippi State writer. Stefan, how are you, man?
1: I'm good, Paris. How are you doing,
0: Doing good, doing good. Glad you you made it back. I know you were able to uh, uh, take a little time uh, over the weekend and get back to uh, suburban Chicago. Did you, I know you were checking on the folks. Did you get to take in a White Sox game?
1: I did not. I did not get to go to, go to a White Sox game. Um, I'll I'll hold my money to maybe get some playoff tickets down the road.
0: (laughs) Yeah, maybe so. Maybe so. Well, well, uh, Let's talk Mississippi State right now. The Bulldogs at home for their season opener Saturday at 3 against Louisiana Tech. I, I know the the storm and the weather has kind of uh, changed the media schedule this week, and And uh, Mike Leach was speaking after practice on Tuesday, uh, a day later than he normally would uh, address folks in a in a game week. But tell me about a quarterback. We've talked a lot about this position through camp, and, and even at this stage of the game, it sounds like – I, I know there's a competition angle that uh, that Mike is pushing, but he seems really still not ready to fully buy into Will Rogers as his starter at this point. So why is that?
1: Right. Well, I think part of it is, is, like you mentioned, that competition angle of he doesn't want Will to necessarily be comfortable in that spot. He wants to push him and let him know that, hey, if you don't perform, there's the next man you know behind you. Just like that's how Will got his spot last year. I mean, that, that was a situation with KJ Costello is, and he was struggling. That's how Will Rogers came up. That's how Will Rogers got his opportunity. So it, it might be a reminder to Will that, hey, the same way you got your opportunity last year, it could be an opportunity for Jance or, or a healthy Jack Abraham or whoever it may be coming coming off the bench to, to replace him at, at some point this year if he struggles. So competition is certainly part of it. Um, I, th- I think another part of it is that, you know, Will, there's a sense at times, and and I don't think it's always the case, but there's a sense at times that he's kind of there – Almost by default because he was the guy last year who got the reps and and because Chan Lovertiish just isn't that great and it's almost a sense of hey will's you know the best of what we got and I think um, you know besides Sawyer Robertson, if he had had some more time in spring here maybe that would be a different argument, but Sawyer's is obviously not ready. will seems like the only guy that's even close prepared. and I think you, you get that sense of when when will talks about or I should say when Mike talks about things that will, Needs to improve on. He said there's almost everything. I mean, he's he's not 100% confident um, in Will in the sense of you know he's still got some of those inconsistencies, still got some struggles um, to, to kind of adjust to the to the air raid offense and see what his role is going to be in that. So I think there there should be I don't want to say concern, but there should definitely be that that belief that um, you know Mike might not think that Will is 100% the guy that can run this offense. There's not many other options behind him, so that's why Will's going to get the starting spot and I think probably maintain it for at least a few weeks. Um, but, but at this point right now, you got to be thinking that Will's – Will's trying to – Will's trying to prove that he has made those strides and he's trying to prove it not just to fans, but he's trying to prove it to Mike Leach because I think there's um, – especially, you know, looking very long-term, if you're looking at next season um, and maybe even, you know, the last couple games of this season, that's where I think you start to see Sawyer Robertson come into the picture – more than Abraham or Lovettich, And that's the guy that can truly make a push. So he's saying, hey, Will, you know, this could be your starting spot right now, but if you want to be the starting quarterback come Egg Bowl, come next season, um, there's a young guy that's going to be making a push, and with each uh, week of practice, he's going to keep getting better. And he's the guy that ultimately is going to run the air raid offense at some point in his career at Mississippi State. How soon is that going to be? That's going to come down to Will Rogers and then what he can prove this season.
0: Yeah, I was kind of surprised that we didn't see Sawyer Robertson climb a little bit. I mean, I I realize he's a freshman, a true freshman, but that's what uh, Rodgers was last year. And I know so many times circumstances dictate uh, depth chart moves and and things of that nature. Speaking of depth chart, I think we both thought uh, back at the beginning of August that this would be a competition between Will Rodgers and Jack Abraham, the Southern Miss transfer Uh, Abraham had the the concussion and the headaches and, and those things. And, and from what I can tell, uh, hasn't been around at all. Has he, has he ever come back to practice?
1: No, I mean, we, we haven't been able to get get inside practice since, since school started. That was, I believe a week or so ago. I can't remember the timeline exactly. Um, But, but before that, I mean, we'd been there for the first three weeks of fall camp. and We hadn't seen him out there the first day, um, I saw him doing some, you know, drills, and that was, you know, that was still no pads. It was that point of fall camp, very early on. He's out there doing some drills, but for the most part, no, I have not seen him out there. I mean, it's been Will Rogers versus Chance Lovett throughout most of the time. Though that might be kind of skeptical in itself because it's been Will Rogers taking the first team reps this entire time. I mean, there was never really a, a point where you thought Chance was the guy because he, he wasn't getting the first team reps. I mean, if he's if he somehow is the guy that goes out there Saturday. I don't know how many passes he's thrown to Austin Williams or Jaden Wally because he's been thrown to the, most of the second-string guys and facing most of the second-string defense. Um, so, yeah, we'll see. I We'll see. I don't, I don't know if, what the plan is with Abraham at this point. Um, it's certainly something to, to keep track of, and we're obviously going to be looking out to see if he's on the sidelines, if he's in uniform um, when games come around because that's that's a, definitely an interesting component, um, not just in a sense of you know pushing Will Rogers, but pushing Chance Levertich. I mean, is Chance really – a lock in that two spot, um, considering Abraham, you know, has little to no reps uh, in fall camp, you would think that that would be a chance to spot. I mean, Abraham has more talent, but he hasn't, you know, from as far as I know, he hasn't played a single practice with this team. So how how confident are you in him coming in, you know, when when Will Rogers is struggling at Texas a and I mean, is that a situation where, where you want to toss him in? It'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Um, but definitely definitely someone to keep an eye on, at least on the sidelines, to see, you know, if he's at games, if he's in pads, if he's in uniform, and and if the situation comes about, I mean, is, is he the third string guy at this point? That's also interesting as in well. I mean, you, you got to see, you know, you know, you don't prepare for this, but if your top two guys go out. Then who's it? Is it Sawyer? Is it Daniel Greek? Is it is it Jake Ab- Jack Abraham? So that'll be interesting to see kind of how uh, his role pans out as he, you know, hopefully for his case, you know, gets some more practices under his belt, um, sees, you know, game action, sees film with the other guys and adjust to this offense.
0: It's hard to imagine that uh, Jack Abraham would be a factor right now. Number one, if he had made his way back to practice, I think uh, that would have made its way to message boards and and word on that would have gotten out. Uh, But experience and ability aside, and and I think he was uh, very much a competitor, uh, all things being equal, had there been no injury. And now the vibe that we're getting from Mike Leach on Will Rogers, it seems like maybe it very well could have been Jack Abraham winning that job. But now, if you were to bring him back right now, you're, you're talking about conditioning. You're, not, you're just talking about so many things that uh, would work against him. Uh, having yeah, I, I know the the air raid offense, the quick release, the quick decisions, those are things that uh, are in his wheelhouse and things he did well at Southern Miss, but he's still – hasn't, uh, yeah, it didn't take a snap, didn't take a snap uh, in August. So a lot of things would be working against uh, Jack Abraham if he were to be available. So, you know, Will Rogers, I think, uh, you know, he's got uh, the chance. He certainly has the opportunity to uh, prove people wrong and, and win this job, and, and maybe the vibe that we're hearing is only about competition, but uh, we'll see. Big game, big uh, important start to the season for Will Rogers if, uh, if he can get that done. Wide receivers, seems like uh, Mike Leach is really pleased with his depth there.
1: Yeah, list list eight or nine guys, or I should say list nine guys on the depth chart. He says that eight is his ideal number. So, I mean, if you got one more than your ideal number, that's kind of a a good position to be in, which is interesting because last week when we asked him about wide receiver depth, he didn't feel like he was exactly where he wanted to be at. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. And I think um, where you see every team – this is, this is what kind of bugs me about fall camp is that, you know, I read, I still read, you know, my colleagues at, at Indiana and what they write. And you know, I read other SEC schools and what they write. And it seems like every position coach thinks in, in the nation that their team has a little more depth at their position, which is interesting to see because at some point you realize that not all the, the college football teams in America have a lot of depth. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. But I will say that the wide receiver group, when you look at the depth chart is one, where you see depth and the reason that I think it's actually important and maybe something to buy into when it comes to Mississippi State's case with wide receivers is that in the air raid offense, you're moving around a lot and you want different guys in it's a situation. It's a, it's a position where you have to have depth in the air raid offense. Um, and especially a wide receiver, you see that with Austin Williams and, and Jaden Wally at the wide position. I think that was um, the most surprising thing on the depth chart was that it was Austin Williams or Jaden Wally. And what maybe it was, even more surprising is that yesterday Mike Leach said he probably gives Austin Williams the edge right now in terms of who's going to be the starter. And he's a, he, We know what Austin Williams brings. He's, he's probably the most consistent player maybe on the entire roster. Um, he's he's kind of the leader of the team. I'd be surprised if he's not named a team captain at this point. Um, so it doesn't surprise me necessarily that they want him as a starter. It's more surprising that Jaden Wally is considered to be one of the best wide receivers in the SEC. I mean, he's going to make a case for some – all sec teams if he lives up to some of the expectations that people have for him. Um, so to see him almost listed as a second string right now is, is a bit surprising. Um, but Williams talked about, he, you know, he can play inside receiver on both sides. I wouldn't be surprised if you saw both of them in at some point. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they split the reps, you know, evenly 50, 50. It's just, you um, it's just weird to see the top two guys. I mean, in some cases, you would argue they're the top two receivers on a team because you haven't really seen uh, Makai Polk in game action yet. You haven't seen Jameer Calvin in game action yet. Um, so that was definitely the most surprising thing on the depth chart. Um, so we'll, we'll, we'll see how that pans out. And then in terms of running back, I don't, I don't think it's too surprising you had Duquavius uh, Marks, Woody Marks, um, or Dylan Johnson. Um, I think if there's any any duo in the, in the nation that's going to split their reps 50-50, um, exactly, they're probably going to be the closest. I think that's, that's one position um, where you're going to see a, a pretty even distribution of reps um, and snaps. And um, so there was not really much of a surprise there. And the offensive line kind of shapes out exactly as we've seen um, throughout fall camp. It's been the first string guys, um, maybe even since the first practice, as far as I could think back. So that, nothing, nothing really surprised me too much on a depth chart besides the Wally and Austin Williams case.
0: Well, the the, the whole uh, Wally and Williams thing there. If, if they're the two best receivers, why aren't we hearing more talk about putting them in the game at the same time? Right. I don't know. It, it's
1: it's surprising. It's definitely surprising. And and I know you know with with the air raid offense, you want you know you you got all the positions where you want to line them up at. Um. I, I think what was just surprised to me, and and I know, um. You know, it's not necessarily the same position, but, but Jameer Calvin is is someone who, you know, knows this offense well, but he, you know, he, he's still a new guy. I mean, he comes from Washington State, but he's, he's still the guy that he knows the area of offense from, from running it, but um, he hasn't run it with Will Rogers. He hasn't played that much with Will Rogers. So I'm a little surprised to see that he's he's already listed as a first string. You know, I saw Austin Williams yesterday during his press conference. Um, you know, I know – Um, injuries can play a part in this you you don't wish for injuries um but but could we see you kind of at a different different position would you be you know if if an outside receiver goes down or is that you know place that you or wally can step into or do something and he said no i'm an inside receiver and uh you know i think that's a bit surprising to hear you know from a from a college player like you know i'm talking to wes walker the other day and he was talking about how he came in at running back and they switched him to spot receiver and that's kind of where he made his career and, and obviously there was a lot of openness in him to, to moving around. You didn't really get that sense from Austin Williams, which I think surprised me a bit, um, especially for a group where, Hey, if we have the opportunity to get Wally and Williams both in the game, and that requires Williams maybe playing a, a, a different plot, a different position. Why wouldn't you take that? So that was a bit surprising to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, like you mentioned, surprising that a team wouldn't want for um, their best receivers in the game at the same time. Um, but I, you know, I'd be surprised if, if Austin Williams kept that edge over Jaden Wally. I mean, Jaden Wally, like I mentioned, is presumed to be one of the better receivers um, in the SEC and probably presumed to be the best receiver on Mississippi State to kind of have snaps taken away from him. I feel like you're you're not doing justice to this offense and and to Will Rogers.
0: you think we got a good read on the offensive line in this camp? I mean, watching them go against what we think will be a pretty good defense, uh, as you approach the Louisiana Tech game, do you have much, uh, much optimism for the offensive line?
1: Yeah, uh, I don't know if I would say optimism is the word. I think there's definitely some skepticism around um, this offensive line and what, what they can do. And I think, you know, in both the scrimmages that we had access to, they, they weren't looking great. They were improved, which is, you know, what press that that, you know, I want my guys to improve and be a little bit more consistent. And I think they were in the second scrimmage that we saw, I don't necessarily think that they were great. Um, That's, that's the one position group where, you know, uh, when you look at this entire roster, I mean, offense or defense, that's the one group where, where there's definitely going to be the most concern and probably rightfully so. So we'll see how that group pans out. I think, I think it's definitely a group that has improved, but improved, you know, is relative term um, to where they were at the start. I think Charles Cross is as good as advertised. We'll see that. Um, but, but some of the other guys moving around, I mean, Scott Lashley coming in from Alabama with Mr. Sharp playing some um, playing at center this year. Uh, we'll, we'll see how they kind of fit into their roles. But it's, it hasn't seemed that throughout much of fall camp there's been any second stringers truly pushing um, for, for a starting spot. So, you know, it, it kind of feels like these are going to be the guys um, and, and you better hope that they pan out.
0: All right, defense. Big injury up front early in camp. How have they absorbed that loss?
1: Right. Yeah, it's definitely a huge blow, and I think many expected Jordan Davis to be uh, among the best defensive players on this team. Uh, you you move into Monte Russell. Um, you know he's going to get some more some more reps filling in that spot. Um, you know it, it's just going to be a lot of movement, a lot of guys coming in. You got Randy Charlton too. Um, it, it's just going to be a lot of movement and, and who can fill in, fill in and move around. You know, we talked about Jack Harris. He's kind of listed as a second trigger right now. Um, he can kind of move around at, at a lot of different positions to kind of help fill in for Jordan Davis. Um, so that's, that's kind of the, the brunt up front. And then you got Cameron Young and Jaden Cromity, you know, up the middle, those, those are going to, I mean, their, their role is going to improve or at least be a bit more important than maybe we expected. Uh, simply in a sense of, you know, without Jordan Davis, you guys up the middle are going to need to help a little more to make sure that a Russell or Pickerington or Charlton can kind of get into the backfield and make plays happen. Um, so, so that's where I would put the brunt of the importance is on those guys up front in the middle uh, to kind of step up and do their role. And I think there's high expectations for a player like Crumity um, to, to do that. So if, if he can do that um, and the linebackers can do what they're expected, I think filling in um, around Jordan Davis shouldn't be too much of an issue. But I think you will see at times that, that the athleticism that Jordan Davis brings, that a few others on this roster have, will will be lacking. It'll be noticeable at times for sure. You don't you don't lose a guy like that and just um just move around it like it's nothing.
0: Well, if they could answer those questions on the defensive line, I think they've got some some uh, some good bodies there at linebacker. If they could put those two positions together, could be a pretty solid uh, front seven. And uh, if they've got that, Steph. Uh, you know they've got uh, two of the best corners I think in the SEC, and I know uh, Mike Leach does a lot of uh, poor mouthing, a lot of coach speak, but he's he's pretty high on these guys.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think aside from LSU's top uh, cornerback, I don't think there's there's much of a duo in the SEC that's gonna be better than than what um, what MSU had. Yeah, and Martin for Martin, I uh, Martin Emerson and Emmanuel Forbes are as good as advertised. I mean they're. They're locking down you know, receivers in, in fall camp, and I expect them to do that um, as the season comes through. And then behind them, you have know, the safety position. You got Jalen Green and Colin Duncan, and then at the Bulldog, you got Fred Peters. Um, but more importantly, you got second stringers at those those safety positions, which uh, MSU for part of last season did not have. Leach was saying yesterday how it felt like at times they were struggling to, to get bodies together just to run drills and practice, let alone go out there and play against a Georgia or um, you know, and Ole Miss and, and some other teams that maybe they had. I think it was – I think Ole Miss was one of those games where MSU had less than 50 scholarship players. Correct me if I'm wrong there.
0: Yeah, I think I think you're right. And that was a game where I remember some holes in the secondary uh, from those safeties, uh, one of those being the 91-yard uh, play uh, up the middle by uh, Elijah Moore. You know, and it's like, how do you lose right. that? <laughs> you know? how, how does that right. make you that wide open? Right,
1: yeah. So having a having a second stringer um, at safety is also important because you know if Jalen Green needs you know a water break, needs to grab a drink of water, you have actually someone that can come into the game and, and fill that spot. Someone like maybe a, a London Craft or whoever maybe maybe that's kind of secondary in that secondary. Um, so so the secondary as a whole, starting I mean the, the corners are going to set the tone and they're going to be the guys um, on this defense that that kind of you know lead the way um, in terms of what this defense can do because if they're good. The front can do better, and the safeties don't have as much pressure on them. But Those two do their job. Uh, it makes everyone around them better. makes everyone's job a little bit easier. I mean, it makes this defense – I mean, I, I, I've i hyped this defense up probably more um, than any any unit on Mississippi State. Um, I genuinely think this that, that, you know, as much talk as Mike Leach's offense gets and um, and as you can see on thejournal.com, on djour, um, I wrote about, um, you know, how much better offenses get in year two with Mike Leach. Um, I, I think the real hype is, is around this defense. I think um, not just a, a top half of the SEC, but I think a top five defense in the SEC, which is pretty high standards as you expect a team like Alabama to kind of improve. And, and you know what SEC defenses in the past have generally been. Um, and I think MSU can be up there.
0: I know one of the things you're working on this week, one of the stories is about uh third and 93, which was uh, right. a few years ago yeah. between these teams Uh in Ruston. And, uh, look, man, I, I covered some, uh, I've seen some big downs in my career, but I think the longest was a third and 56, which also involved Mississippi state. And that was against Florida in, uh, in 2000 where, uh, state's nose guard, Willie blade was just eating up that center. And, uh, so they were running this shotgun offense and on back-to-back plays, he snapped it, uh, you know, well over the quarterback's head. And all of a sudden they've got a third and 56, but third and 93, you know, I, I've not seen that one. So uh, uh, how is that, uh, how's that story going? Right. I think
1: actually, uh, ironically enough, um, I think third and 57 in 2011, a game including involving Georgia actually is is the longest right now. I'd have to double check that. Um, but, but they beat you by a yard there, I think at, at Georgia, 11 years later. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's funny, you know this this came up uh, talking to C.J. Morgan that you know early on in fall camp, um, he was asked about the third and ninety three play because he, aside from Austin Williams who was a red shirt on the sideline, he was the only current player who was involved like involved in that play, and he probably should have been the one to scoop it up and score. Uh, he it, he was probably the the main guy there that should have had some reward come out of that play. I mean, it's just it's just one of those plays in college football where it's absolutely hysterical. I mean, one article I read read from from a few years back talks about how it incorporated so many sports. First, you have a weird roller like it's a baseball game. Then you have a soccer kick, and then obviously you got football going on. It's just a it kind of ends up looking like a rugby match at, at one point because nobody knows um, what they're doing. And and uh, at that point, L. A. Tech ends up recovering it, and, and it's an 87-yard loss here. You're, you know, it's not, you know, people call it third and ninety-three, but it's technically third and goal. I mean, they were in a, in a goal to go situation. Uh, so, so from there, I mean, you, you're looking, hey, third and goal, we're at least gonna feel a lot of it. Well, you're on, you're on your own seven yard line, uh, going, going the other way. So, um, it, it's a fun, it's been a fun story to write. I think we'll have that out, um, tomorrow. Correct me, you're kind of in charge of that. So correct me if I'm wrong there, but uh, hey, I, went, uh I like it. How was that?
0: I said tomorrow sounds good. We'll make it happen. <laughs>
1: sounds good. Sounds good. But yeah, it's one of those, uh, you know, just just a fun, fun watch, a fun, you know, fun to look back on, fun, fun to write, write about, and uh, it's kind of part of a, a series that we're looking to start this year. You know, before before each game, and and we'll see what we do with the bye week. But before each game, um, you know, I'd like to just you know go back on a, a random game in that in a series of. You know, there's not many LA Tech, you know, Mississippi State memorable moments to go back on, but that third and ninety three sticks out. Um, and then you know, with NC State, you have the 2015 Belk Bowl, and uh, just just going from there, you know, just just random memories, whether it be a game, a moment, or a play, you know, kind of like this third and ninety three play that to kind of look back on and say, hey, you know, you remember when this happened? You remember the, you remember this Mississippi State player and the role he played in, in this game. Um, I think it's fun to just kind of go back and rewatch, and I hope uh, I hope our readers agree.
0: Hey, folks, that'll wrap us up for this edition of Justify Your Existence, where we bring you the relevant relevant college football talk in Mississippi. Thanks for joining us. Come back and join us again later this week.